0: to go good evening or morning or day whichever time you're listening we are joined by phil grooms of the usl show and stl soccer report uh, phil how are you tonight
1: doing good thanks for having me on
0: yeah it's been we've kind of been in your circle for a couple years now with being on the usl show um but this is the first time you've been on the pod so welcome
1: yeah thanks man I think I've had Ben on uh, the STL pod, definitely on the USL show, obviously. yeah,
2: I think uh, it's like we two years ago. Lewis Hilton forever ago.-hmm, mm which you're yeah. right. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. I just remembered. yeah, it was it was a long time ago, and it's, <laughs> uh, it's gl- I'm glad that you're back in the Eastern Conference so we can actually talk about St. Louis. It's, a, it's yeah. a nice little perk.
1: I am happy about that too, to be yeah. honest. I mean, how annoying is that? To, for those of you who don't know,
0: uh, St. Louis – when did St. Louis start, uh, St. Louis Football Club? Um, I think we're in our fifth year, fifth year, yeah. And you've never been in the same conference two years in a row. That's correct, right? Never, never once. So and I, I'm anticipating a change next year. <laughs> that's wild. I mean, they do. I mean, crazy. they say it's that St. Louis is the gateway to the Midwest, but it mm-hmm. is – I mean, that's got to be annoying for –
1: it's like got they, its downfalls, right? <laughs> but this year we got a bit of a buffer is what I've been kind of saying because Swope came with us. So, if they only need to switch one team, I think it'll be Swope next time. They got, I or you, they got their Yeah, their I think head you might the, be right. And on the chopping block <laughs> this year. But yeah, all
0: yeah, right. That's that's great. Um so St. Louis is off to a pretty fast start. Um you know, how, how do you feel as a fan of the team and just somebody who follows them closely? How do you feel about the season so far?
1: Oh, crazy. Good. Yeah. Really, really good. So, um, it, it isn't our best start ever. It's kind of tied for our best start as far as our records concerned. Um, uh, you can follow swordopolis on, uh, on Twitter because he throws out some good STL uh, stats when he, when he gets the feeling to do so, he throws a million out there and uh, that's one of the ones he mentioned. Um, so it's not our best start, but this one um, has a lot more feeling of, of solidity of it actually being real and, and we can kind of trust it because it it's still the same system as last year. Finally, we kind of got to repeat our system. Not only do we change conferences, but this is our third coach in five years. So, came on for last season and we're playing the same uh, system. We're actually keeping a large number of our team. And it feels like a continuation of last year. Uh, The end of the season was pretty good. And the beginning of this one, I feel like they look even better than last year. So, um, you know, a lot of coaches have a better year in their second year as far as uh, implementing their system. And it has that vibe so far, so far.
2: Very cool. So would you attribute it sounds like you're attributing the recent success of the well, the the new season due to that continuation of last year. Um, What specific players um, have been landmarks this year?
1: Uh, You know, that's kind of hard to say. Um, I know I know that we had some stars last year. I would say Kyle Gregg being our highest goal scorer last year. Our center backs, we kind of have three that we rotate in and out. So, you know, Mm -hmm. Sam Finks, our captain, Fenwell Cavita, and Sean Reynolds, all three of those guys are so solid. Uh, Lewis Hilton has to get a ton of credit because you guys know how all over the field Mm -hmm. that guy is. And he was a main piece to our midfield last year. And uh, I think if if we lost him, he would be one of our biggest losses to the team. So that's that's saying something there. Um, but we did add some attackers and some fullbacks this year, and I don't want to go too long, but you know those those are the ones that are kind of the upgrades of the season in Joaquin Rivas and a couple of our fullbacks.
2: Okay, and you did mention one defender, um, Sam Fink. What what does he specifically bring to the table as far as the center back goes? I, I believe I was looking at his stats that he's he has a pretty good uh, con- aerial duel winning. Is that one of his main parts of the game, or or how does he fit into the defense? Well, first of all, I'm going to be real cheesy and say that the guy
1: brings heart. Um, he <laughs> is the heartbeat of the team, man. He is um, screaming. He's passionate. He's the guy that kind of holds everyone um, up to a high quality of play and, and gets their heads, keeps their heads in the game, especially late on. You'll see him kind of pepping everyone up and, and yelling at them to get their heads in the game. But um, as far as, as his personal play, he is the guy in the air for sure. And usually the guy next to him is the one who's better with the ball at his feet. Even though Sam has definitely had his downs as far as the ball at his feet, he has improved At midway through last season. He got pretty good and hasn't had any trouble. I feel like a lot of it's a confidence thing more than a talent thing. But, but either way, he's really good defender positionally, good in the air, um, is probably one of our best scorers on set pieces. So look for him mm-hmm. to be aimed at. And he's, he scored one of the goals last week against yeah. uh tulsa he tampa he's been bay
2: there for a while right has he been there since the beginning he was here in the
1: first year i think two years and then Preki didn't want him and he went over to ak <laughs> okc for a year and uh did great there and we brought him back and he's you know everyone welcomed him back and and thought oh finally we got our guy sam back and he's he's just a, a favorite of the fans for sure i wouldn't be at all surprised if he Retired from soccer at St. Louis FC at the age of, like, 34, 36 or
2: something. Okay, so he's the Jorge Herrera of uh, St. Louis, it, just on the defense side of things, it sounds like. <laughs> wouldn't
1: wouldn't surprise me one bit.
2: Love him. <laughs> Good to know.
1: Well, uh, while we're talking about specific players, we have a
0: couple of questions um, about some former Charlotte players. Uh, one of them is from Charles, and he asks, what role does Caleb Calvert play on this team so far and then how important is Lewis Hilton
1: yeah so Calvert um I wanted the skinny on Calvert because and I'd watched some highlights and uh I was like well this is weird it says that he's going to be the tallest guy on our team but all his highlights show him scoring goals on a break (laughs) or you know with the ball at his feet so um Interestingly, and I got that from Ben, too. Ben was like, I know he's big, but that's not exactly his game. Mm -hmm. And um, strangely enough, St. Louis has been relying on crosses and set pieces this season so far. And he's been one of the main uh, contributors to, you know, shots on goal with his head. So uh, I thought that was an interesting kind of twist for Charlotte fans to kind of notice um, compared to last year. He's he's using his big frame a little bit more for some reason. Seemingly.
2: And what does uh, Lewis Hilton mean for the club? I know we're very similar or very familiar with his play, but um, but what does he bring to the club for St. Louis?
1: He so you'll see two holding midfielders for St. Louis, and he will be the one that kind of is a little bit further upfield. But his press, his his role in the in the pressing and uh, breaking up play in the middle of the the field in the midfield. Is just so vital, and I would say that's I'd say that's the key to St. Louis's success so far defensively. Yes, our backline is super solid, but a lot of our guys are staying kind of higher up the field, not a high press per se, but maybe a mid block or higher, um, quite a bit. And it's that first interaction around midfield that really starts to break up play, and, and we'll get a lot of interceptions around that area, or even if it's not an interception, we'll kind of hold back teams right around that point. And they'll stall for a bit right around that area. And then in the USL, it's something I've been pondering lately is if you do press high and, um, you know, USL teams are trying to say, play prettier soccer, playing out of the back and passing it around again. I think the high press works pretty well in the USL because of the uh, talent level for passing out of the back. It's a harder thing to do. Right. And, and USL players aren't quite up to snuff to MLS, much less um, higher than that. So. I think that's why one of the reasons that St. Louis has had some success against some really good teams is we're really testing that ability out of the back at times, and even in the midfield. But that's just kind of a guess of mine. I'm not sure if that's the case, but it's something I've been pondering.
2: Okay. One thing, I have been able to watch a couple of the St. Louis games and snippets and just looking at some stats as well it looks like they may play fairly direct as well, but also not control possession as much. Is that accurate based on what I'm looking at with the stats?
1: Yeah, especially in the first two games. Strangely, um, you know, last year I would say the biggest problem was a little bit of an inept offense attack. You know, if if Kyle Gray isn't able to get a ball in the back of the net from some random spot on the front of the field, Um, in the upper third then um, you know it it could be hard for the team to win well this year they're actually getting pretty good chances every single game even against really good teams like with a good defense like Nashville you know we had more chances than they did in that game and so um, against really good teams like Indy 11 and Nashville and Tampa I think is a really similar team to St. Louis yeah we could care less about holding the ball but we did play some teams that were um like say uh, forward madison we played forward madison in preseason we played some other teams like memphis didn't look incredibly good against st louis and i would say they possessed the ball quite a bit against those teams so i think once we play teams that aren't in the upper half of the standings right now you know <laughs> um then perhaps you'll see a little more possession i don't think they'll be afraid of it but Pulis has been quoted many times saying, "We don't possess the ball just for the hell of possessing the ball." You know, he he doesn't care about that at all.
2: Okay, so you you probably say that they're they want to be intentional with the ball rather than just kill the clock or or that type of thing.
1: Yeah, and even if they want to kill the clock, they will possess the ball a little bit, but they they don't really care to. Um, they'd rather rely on defending for sure, and sometimes to a fault. Uh, I think they defended a little too early against Tampa last week and i think they did it even more so last year so if we do score early and they start you know sitting back a little bit more even in the 60th minute as early as the 60th minute um you know that's how we gave up a goal against tampa that's one thing that especially
2: against your team we might be worried about right (laughs) yeah right (laughs) yeah that's a good point i saw well i I don't want to take away from one of the questions but uh but yeah, one of our questions kind of alluded to that—that that we should, uh, the time clock should be different uh, for <laughs> for, uh, for when we start the game. But uh, but yeah, that well, definitely kind of or answers like trick the, the
1: players. Tell yeah. them the 70th yeah. minute and put, the... put 70
2: on the clock, and then we're good to
0: go. I like it. I like it. <laughs> uh, we have another question, kind of about. Um, the more specific players um this is also from charles he said that the club is affiliated with st louis scott gallagher uh which is a very good youth club are there any young players in the champ with the championship team that we should watch for this game or this season that are coming through
1: okay so there are um i'm i'm so bad with names i'm going to try to think of names while i talk but uh Nichi vlastos is a kid who um has played with the, the Academy for like, he's been known and and trained with the championship team for like, this is his third year basically. And I think he's aging out this year, but he has really bulked up. And I think he would be the chosen replacement for Lewis Hilton. If Lewis was to go down over our other two more holding midfielders, I think he's the guy that would do it. I think he's more of like an eight can be an attacking player. I wouldn't use him as a six straight out, but We have so many defensive uh, oriented midfielders. I think he could come in for Lewis Hilton and do a great job Um, again, better than perhaps throwing the two defensive minded guys on there. Um, Kibby Keller is a guy who I think he's the one that's younger is um, probably going to get a look, hopefully with the U 17s, um, the national team. And so he's another one that you won't see. um, But but that has a good chance to play some center back maybe in the open cup. Um, there's one more guy that, you know, could come from the, the, the academy that might get a look with uh, the, the team in the open cup. So those are the three main guys. We have a left back that might get a look as well.
0: Cool. Good stuff. Um, as far as like any one player to watch for the game that we haven't mentioned, um, who do you think could have like the, one of the, maybe the biggest impact on the field tomorrow or Saturday?
1: Mm, and I haven't mentioned him yet. Oh, I know. I know. Um, I did say... I, I said that we upgraded our fullbacks, but I didn't give me a name, so I'm going to use him. Um, Paris G. I think he is a still yet underestimated right back, can play left back. Um, I expected him to be used like in a sub role because he's uh, more ori- uh, attack oriented. But he kind of came in um Boehner is our what I thought would be our starting right back um had a lot of trouble on the right wing against Josh I think it's Joshua Penn is that young kid playing Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. he got embarrassed a little bit yeah and and one of those was a slip but there were a couple moves he put on him that he got by him and um you know he had a rough game and he admitted it to me right after and so I think Paris got a, a shot in the next game and held up really well against Carlton Belmar who we can probably all safely assume is better than Josh Penn, at least at this stage in, in their development. So, um, not only that, but he's so good going forward. If you guys saw just the, the clips of good moves that the USL, uh, championship posted on Twitter today, Paris, she's like the third clip, nut a guy at the top of the box. So, um, he's got moves, he's a right back. So he's going to get forward. I, that's where we're going to lead our attack to is on the wings, using those guys often, not really down the middle. Um, but he'll get forward, and the other thing he can do is he can put a ball and a dime in the air. He's really good at that especially. So that could be a cross, it could be a shot. So, you know, he's just got good uh, good skills all, all around on the attack. Was he the one from the Roughnecks? Is that right? Yep. Yes, okay. Yeah. so he gotcha. and Rivas both came from the Roughnecks. They'd often play on the same side. So, you know, two good attacking uh, upgrades there for sure.
2: Okay. I thought I thought I remember that from listening to uh this is silly or or somewhere on a podcast. I don't know. That's I probably the podcast. But uh one thing we've kind of glazed over is is what formation does St. Louis play? 442
1: they... all day every day.
2: Ooh. Interesting.
1: Okay. Yeah. And uh, against your team I'm almost certain that it'll be a 442. Um, every once in a while he will pull a three in the back formation of some sort. Um, but usually that's against lower competition. He used it against Tulsa to really good, um, success last year twice. So, um, yeah, you probably four, four, two. I, you know, I think in St. Louis as a fan, at least as someone who follows St. Louis, we enjoy good defense and you guys enjoy a good, offensive finish to a game and so I think if I was Poole I'd say let's let's put our strength versus theirs and, and say that we're going to come out on top at home and just really be solid and organized throughout the game and, and not let up a late goal so that's I bet that's going to be the 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 tactic
0: yeah that's interesting cuz we fa- we have not faced a four man backline yet um, it's only been two games but we've uh, both Atlanta and Indy 11 played a kind of a <laughs> 3-4-3 um, and, and really got their wing backs forward. so that's interesting. Um, I guess really you know, good point. We'll, we'll too, probably yeah. see I mean basically all the goals that we've given up have come from the wing of some sort um, mm. or at least originated on the wing. So that's that's been a weakness for us so far. So it'll be interesting to watch if that changes with a little bit change. Well, you just said that St. Louis kind of attacks the wings even if they don't line up in a, in a wider formation. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that'll be a good matchup to watch, especially with it being our first road game. Um, Andrew Gutman is probably going to be our starting left back. So that that matchup between G and Gutman will will be one to watch for sure.
1: Yeah, and you'll see on the defense, um, I haven't really nailed it down. I want to watch film really closely at our next away game. I'm going to be honest, I'm not going to have time until it's an away game. But um, I have been noticing that, um, and this is something... I actually saw with the U S men's national team. And after I listened to total soccer show, I was like, wait, I think, uh, I think Poulos does this. So we play four back line, but even our fullbacks kind of tuck in. Mm -hmm. And so we have a tight four And our, our, um, midfielder, our outside midfielder is expected to do the, the outside one V one defending once we get back, you know, if it's in transition, obviously he still has to get back. But once we get back, it's a back five, basically with the strong side winger stepping back and um, the weak side guy pushing forward a little bit. So you can watch for that on the defense.
0: Very
2: cool. Yeah. That's an interesting and wrinkle. How has uh Fenlison played? I think I'm mispronouncing that, but no, um, you nailed it. Really yeah, good I, job. See, I, I jinx myself whenever I'm, I pronounce a name. Cause like I'll hear it and then I'll say it the other way. But yeah, Fenlison, um, I wanted to say he's been an exceptional keeper and, Based on watching him and his stats, he looks really good. Um, I mean, he saved 71.4% of his shots, and one of those was a penalty he didn't save. So, I mean, give him credit on that. But, yeah, what has he meant for the club? Because he played for OCB back when they were a championship squad, right? And he's been with the club Mm -hmm. since last year, right?
1: Yeah. And, uh, he did miss one PK, but he saved the other one. So that's pretty awesome as well. Um, but you know, I've been meaning to look up his stats because honestly, St. Louis wouldn't be too, what is it? Two Oh and one to have two wins and a draw. Um, they, we wouldn't be that that record if it wasn't for Jake has had at least one, if not two or three really good saves every single game. Um, and, and I do want to say I'm praising him now, but last year, Uh, I didn't think he was the better keeper. I thought he got played a little too much, to be honest with you, because I'm a huge fan of Tomas Gomez, who does take more risks. But positionally last year, I thought he was really solid. Um, I never really got worried because he always seemed to be in the right place to make a save every time. And there were just some like random shots or saves that he probably should have saved but missed. With Jake last year I was a little more worried with his positioning. He wouldn't always be exactly where you kind of want him when a ball came in. You get more nervous. Um but his stats weren't bad last year, but this year I feel like he's like the best of both worlds where I, I haven't been worried about any of his positioning. I really have no critique for him at all. Maybe one goal, um uh, maybe the first goal of the season. Some guys said that he should have jumped out a goal to get the uh the cross, the uh sorry, the uh corner kick that um Indy 11 got in in the first game. Yeah. But since then, I've, I've thought he's been incredibly good. Really didn't expect him to start over um, Tomas Gomez. Um, and honestly, I think maybe they gave him the first game thinking Tomas would get a good run, and he's just been so good that they can't take him off the field. I wonder about that. So good question because Jake's been really, really, really solid so far.
2: Yeah, and it's, it's so funny because I, I I was convinced that Gomez had gone elsewhere.
1: I after
2: yeah, but it's it's a good problem to have to have two uh, top quality keepers like that. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, for those who don't know, Tomas Gomez is a two time golden glove winner with Bob yeah. Lilly. So <laughs> we know things too about bench, golden right
0: glove winners with Bob Lilly. We have one for ourselves. Um,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> and he, he takes some risks sometimes too. You don't be surprised to see him coming sure. out outside of his eighteen on uh, on Saturday. Uh, we've yeah. seen that a lot so far this year. Uh, we, we're we're really implementing a high pressing system as well, really high line. Um, so it's it's kind of striking to see how far forward he gets at times uh, when we're in possession. Like he'll be, you know, twelve yards above the box at times. So it's it's, nice. it's interesting. We may see that be a little bit more conservative. Um, like I said, we haven't played a road game, so that's that's one thing to watch. You know, Coach Jeffries was never one to really. Uh, change his system when we went on the road so I I want to see if uh, McGinnis is any different um, you know we'll see
1: I agree yeah I'm I'm really interested to watch it in person to see if there are similarities to uh, like do you guys still kind of see the Jeffries uh, influence on the team or has it changed uh, more I, than
2: you expected I wouldn't think there's been much I, I thought there was going to be honestly um, but it feels like Jeffries has really um, taken hold of the GM position rather than getting his hands into the coaching section um, mm. of the, the front office, which could be almost just due to the fact that we've got three coaches, essentially, with uh, um, the Spanish coach, I'm forgetting his name, uh, Dave Dixon, and uh, obviously McGinnis. But what do you think, Alex?
0: I was just gonna say, I, I think when we're going when we have the ball, I think it's very similar. Um, we we try to play out of the back. Our fullbacks get really high forward, if not probably even more so than under Jeffries. Um yeah. The the what's different is the the front. Um, with mm. Jeffries, there was always kind of a central midfielder attacking in the attacking zones. Um, now, a lot of the focus is on getting the ball out wide and then cutting it back. Um, or putting it in the box. And this is still early. This may change. Uh, but so far, a lot of the focus has been um, Al- either Alex Martinez or Enzo Martinez going one on one or linking up with the fullback and putting a ball, you know, cutbacks in to, to Oduro or crosses to Oduro um, and Jorge Herrera. So you, we've seen a lot of that. A lot of the focus has been a little bit further wide than in the center. Uh, but for the most part, it, it the buildup looks pretty similar. But in defense, right. it's a lot different, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the results aren't that much different, but <laughs> the, the the way they're going about the, getting the defensive results are a little different.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fair. You guys did just sign a bunch of center backs, though. Do you think that was kind of a sign that they weren't quite happy with, with the way things were going so far, player-wise? So,
0: technically, those guys have been in camp at least since – some of the preseason um Uh Hugh Roberts has been here the longest I think the other two guys were at least there the last couple preseason games they just weren't announced yet um so we'll see uh it's it's one of those they've played a different uh combination for the first two games uh but some Mm -hmm. of that was or all of that I think was because of international duty we had three players out on international duty and um one of them was a was Joel Johnson who would play right back um and so we had to shift some guys around in the back line but um, was i right that Hugh didn't start that first game he did not no and that's a huge question uh, like, mark sh- cuz he I was he yeah. looked shocked outside of one moment where he uh slipped and kind of got beaten last game he looked really good uh, so that's yeah. that was a kind of a head scratcher but we've yeah. been to, you know it wasn't an injury thing supposedly but you never know it could have
1: been and they just mm. don't want to say well he was kind of an asshole so you know <laughs> maybe it was just that you guys all, you guys definitely know that's a joke so yeah, <laughs> yeah that's His true
2: podcast is terrible yeah right exactly yeah who would
0: ever listen to any of those bgn podcasts right <laughs> <laughs> well if you don't have any questions for us we have a couple kind of non-game day questions that uh we want to get to do you have anything else for us phil um no those are the main ones okay um let's yeah Cool. Uh, so the first question is about um, MLS, kind of. So Charles asks, it seems St. Louis is always in MLS expansion talks. Uh, what's the club's ambition, and do they have any connection to the MLS bid that is ongoing?
1: Yeah, um, big distinction there, um, because yes, huge, huge connection to the MLS bid. Our current owner is, is one of the Definite owners for the MLS team, and so okay. basically, they're they're kind of combining St. Louis FC with an additional large group of money. The owner of St. Louis FC actually has plenty of money in his own right, and he's part of a Fortune 500 company that's really successful, really quality company to work for. On top of that, um, I'm not just saying that um, I don't work there or anything. So uh, um, I, was, I was like, oh. Phil's
0: getting um, some checks right now.
1: <laughs> no, but I mean, some, some people I know do work for him and they say it's one of, that's just always, everyone is always talking about how they're one of the best companies you could work for in St. Louis. Um, so anyway, it's a great company. They do really well for themselves. He's got a decent amount of money. I truly think he is St. Louis FC is like a tax write off, <laughs> <laughs> but he is a soccer guy. So he went to SLU, which is the biggest soccer college in St. Louis. And, um, He I think he even roomed with um, Abbott from MLS. I'm not even sure if that's true, but, you know, he's a huge soccer fan that wanted to start a soccer pro soccer team in St. Louis made it happen. He's in it for the soccer and MLS is just this opportunity that keeps coming to St. Louis and he happens to be the head of the team that is one of the best independent um, academies in the country. You know what I mean? So that's a huge asset to anyone who's going to run an MLS team in the future uh, you look at a lot of struggles from teams like, uh, you know, Minnesota and even Cincinnati, I think, is going to struggle a little bit not having an academy for years and years before they can start drawing from it, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, St. Louis still won't have that problem. We have kids that will be ready to go. We have homegrowns ready to go, too, that will be ready uh, by the time we have a team if we make this number 28. So, um, you know, we'll fit right in Jim Cavanaugh, our owner for St. Louis FC is like a must have for an MLS team, in my opinion. So basically what he did is, um, combine him with a whole lot more money <laughs> and they're not even <laughs> soccer fans, even though they've really dove, they've, they've dove really, um, harshly into soccer. Um, they're very real about everything. Very St. Louis, very philanthropic in the city enterprise, uh, rental car is, is the company. So, you know, everyone knows what that is and how big that company is. So plenty of money to go around, just kind of need to get the okay from MLS and, and we'll be fine. I'll just say that I think in MLS, it's like, at this point we all know there's going to be a million teams in MLS. So <laughs> we don't even, if we don't make this bid, I I really don't care. Like I'm going to be happy with as many years of USL as we end up getting. And eventually, I wouldn't even mind waiting till maybe there's a discount for the last two four teams in you know twenty twenty six or twenty twenty five or something. Yeah. Gotcha. What well, do you guys think? I mean, you <laughs> someone asked you guys an MLS question. So they I don't did. Know
0: um, we're gonna have to plead the fifth.
1: For this episode
0: on that question, Fair uh, because Ben has listened to the interview and I haven't, so I yeah, don't really someone know. Someone didn't do his research. Well, I know. Nah. <laughs>
1: I'll
0: make it up to you guys. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I just, I am um, so sick and tired of the MLS conversation. To be quite honest, yeah. Um, like I'm with you too. Honestly, it's it's constant. Um, to me, it's like we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Type of thing. Like. I want to. Yeah. I just want to enjoy what we have now. Um, I don't know. That's that's my, per, you know, that's just my personal well, maybe opinion. That's, um, maybe
1: that's a better like conversation to have though, because I think you you two obviously feel that way. I feel that way. I think we're rarities in the soccer world though. Um, you know, that's true. Agreed. Yeah. So I hate that. I I wish we could get the message out at how good you know these soccer games are. How good a league that USL is. That. Mm the game day is just a ton of fun um, and it's good soccer. You know, you, you shouldn't be too snobby to watch USL, especially with all the players that are moving up to MLS and going abroad. It's, it's a real league, you know, yeah. it, it's a, it's we're contributing to the world soccer um, community um, directly. You know, it's, it's yes. something that people should be following. And I don't understand why some people, uh, so many people don't show up, you know, your guys's attendance should be, way higher than it is not just yeah. for bragging rights, but just because the product is so good in my opinion. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean, the league gets better every year too. Like, yeah, I, f- I mean, if you yep. just go back and exactly. watch a game from like three years ago and then you go watch a game from this past weekend, I mean, the quality of play is just increasing rapidly. Um, but the, you know, there's a lot of factors I think that go into people not showing up. Um, I think some of it is probably the fault of, um, you know the the team for maybe not getting not putting the marketing dollars behind it um, but then some of it is just some of its location some of it they can't help yeah um, I think every team in in this league battles very similar issues yeah um, and I think we're a little too quick to cannibalize each other um, I mean the, the attendance conversation is another one that I get so frustrated about I feel like people who follow this yeah. league care more about what happens in the stands than what happens on the field and that drives mm-hmm. me crazy um, yeah But I think that's I think that's true For a lot of American soccer Not just USL uh, But I think it's particularly A problem in USL But um, You know I don't want to get I don't want to get on too, too much of a soapbox here So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> To keep it,
2: the keep it light The only thing I'll say about MLS is the fact that I just wish Temper would just Say something definitively And stop teasing us Because <laughs> like He'll just bring it Like sprinkle it in the conversation randomly It's, it's just weird but well, there uh, was a yeah. A, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm
1: sorry. There there was a newspaper article in St. Louis this week actually about how um it's been pretty well said that, you know, if you come support St. Louis FC, it's going to help MLS and um you know, I just I think to a certain extent it's being used to kind of help the the USL team get buzz. Not that it's not true at all, but I think the the populace in St. Louis at least is starting to push back on that being like, is it really? Does it matter? Yeah. And, and it's hard to say yes, it definitively matters. And so that article was a bit cutting. It kind of hit me to my core because I was like, man, does it matter? I think you're probably right. But then at the same time, you know, would, would Cincinnati be where they are if they didn't have attendance? So I don't yeah. think you can you can say yes or no either way, but I'm with you, like I'm kind of tired of the wrong narrative as far as attendance goes. Mm. We need to talk about it for the right reasons. And I think what we were getting at it earlier is is the right way to talk about attendance in that we have something great here. And I think if more people tried it, it would blow up. or maybe mm. if it was in the right location, it would get a lot more attention um you know again i could go on and on forever but um but you know there's a time and a place for attendance and it does have its value um but it's not again it's not like full-on bragging rights that's not what it's there for (laughs) This sounds like a good
0: conversation that the usl show should have (laughs) you're right i'm sorry i'm kind of over
1: i'm kind of taking over. no no that's okay but you're right totally fine
0: (laughs) i just i would be interested in listening to a conversation about this on like a, a more league scale yeah for sure for sure All right. We have um, one final question and this is, you probably have already seen this in your mentions. Um, So it's in response to this whole bagel thing that's gone around. Um, Oh yeah. So (laughs) there's, if you have not seen this tweet, um, go, go like Google bagel tweet or something. This guy bought bagel gate uh, for his office. And he said he brought, bought them St. Louis style which means they were, instead of sliced in half, they were cut vertically, I guess is how you would describe it, um, mm-hmm. into like itty-bitty slices. Um, so this this guy, Maddie is asking you to explain this atrocity that is St. Louis bagels.
1: <laughs> you know what's really funny is I thought, so at some point, all right, all right well, I'm going to go all the way to the beginning. The beginning <laughs> is you guys have Panera bread, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or Panera, whatever, I don't know what it's called. So in St. Louis, we used to have this, or we still do, but it was called St. Louis Bread Company. And it's been around since the 90s, I think. It is basically exactly like Panera. And at some point, Panera bought St. Louis Bread Company. And only in St. Louis, they didn't actually switch the names over to Panera. They all still are called St. Louis Bread Company, okay? Oh. Yeah, and so that's the big St. Luligan joke, is that um, we, like... It was too perfect, and this goes out – everyone probably knows Bird from the Luligans, Um, Matthew Bird. Anyway, he came up with this. It's ingenious. He said, you know, if – Garber came to St. Louis and said, you guys deserve MLS. You might get it, but what I want to see is sponsors. And so we talked about jersey sponsors, stadium sponsors, and his idea was, well, we should have Panera Bread be our away sponsor for the away jersey. And St. Louis Bread
2: Co. be our uh, home jersey,
1: and that that just took
2: off. Yeah, that took off. Yeah. yeah. So I've I've heard that discussed on this is silly, and I'm like, I don't get it. Like, I I was I was missing some component of it, and that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's a St. Louis centric show, so we all knew what they were talking about. But that (laughs) kind of plays into this whole thing is at some point along the way, they started they have these like bread machines because they bake whole loaves of bread, and they got to slice the bread for you to take it home. And so they just throw them in these machines and it slices bread slices, right? Well, someone at some point must have just decided, well, we can do this with bagels. And so they started asking, hey, do you want your bagel cut normal or do you want it cut with this bread slicer we have sitting here not doing (laughs) anything right now? And so it became a thing and then it became natural that every time anyone got bagels, they'd bring like 20 bagels to a morning meeting or a conference And they'd all be sliced bread style, where it's just like skinny slices the way you see them on Twitter. And I thought that happened worldwide, dude. I thought I thought everyone was doing this. So someone posted this and they were like, oh, St. Louis style. And I was like, is this a joke? Is someone just like saying this is St. Louis style and like just trying to make fun of St. Louis and I don't get it. I am 35, so I just thought it was over my head or something. And no, like for real, this is, I guess something only st louis does and uh i will say that like since it started happening i I think it's good you know you get more cream cheese per (laughs) bread and i'm all for that i have heard that i've heard that argument
0: it doesn't make sense to me but yeah i'd have to taste it but i'd be i tell you what i'd be willing to try it um, I was actually born in St. Louis and lived there for mm-hmm. four and a half years. I just don't remember any of that. Oh, so maybe I have consumed crazy. a St. Louis style bagel. I just don't know. No, oh no,
1: it's more recent than it's that. More it's more recent. Like, okay. Yeah. It's probably like seven to 12 years ago, max. Okay. Yeah. Then I,
0: I was long gone then.
1: The thing about it is it just happened so naturally and gradually that it was just like normalized for us. And you guys didn't have that. So you guys all think it's weird, you know? <laughs> My mind is still blown by the phenomenon, and I think it's amazing. I think it's great.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, thank you for taking the time to give us a very thorough explanation
2: um, <laughs> of, something,
0: of something like really <laughs> ridiculous that's so on brand for our show. Uh, so I really appreciate it. You're like a third member of the show now. Um, we'll send you yeah, a sticker. I love it. will <laughs> take it. I'll take it. <laughs> well, uh, if you guys don't have anything else, I am ready to wrap it up and uh, yeah. do our sign-off. So. Um, yep. Thanks to Phil for joining the show You guys can find Phil on Twitter uh, Give us your Twitter handle Because I don't know it off the top of my head
1: uh, Phil Grooms, two L's, two O's Perfect Phil
0: Phil with two L's um, mm-hmm. And you can find his work At the USL show You guys, if you're not listening to the USL show um, You should be, it's a great show They cover the whole league This is not sponsored, this is just one man's opinion <laughs> um, But those guys do a great job every week bring in the coverage of both Western and Eastern conference um, because the Western conference does exist apparently mm-hmm. um, it, it's kind of like the whole tree falls in the forest thing. Um, but yeah, I tell you what, no, I've been watching a little bit more Western conference this year because of Troy Lassane So um, yeah. Other than that though, I don't know. Any, anything
2: Charlotte independence West.
0: Yeah. Essentially.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so yeah. Thank you. Thank you once again for joining us um, and hope you enjoy the game Saturday.
1: Always. Alrighty, take care. Whoa. Thanks, guys.